0: Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in His Gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Luke chapter 10 verses one through four. And take your Bibles out. We're going to be looking into these four verses. I'm going to point to some things here, uh, highlight some things as we go. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. And this is God's word. Let's pray. Father, as we Look to your word here this morning. We ask that your spirit, as we've sung, as we've prayed, your spirit would illuminate truth to our hearts. We would leave here changed, transformed. Um, Lord, you know what each one of us as individuals in this room, you know what we need as friends, as couples, as families. You know what we need as a collective body. And you have a design and a plan for this next season And we're so thankful to be able to sit under your word and to determine and discern next steps as you lead us onward. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a little sapling here with me this morning. I plucked it from our little wood next to our house. I'm not actually sure what this is. Uh, It could just be a weed, but let's imagine that it's a sapling that has potential to grow into a beautiful, large tree one day. Um, It's not that impressive right now uh, as we look at it, Uh, but it has potential. And here in Luke chapter 10, what we find is Jesus's movement that started just with a few has grown, we might say, into a little sapling, Uh, At least 72 disciples, as we find here in verse 1, uh, are now following Jesus, and they've bought into his vision. They've come to find him as Lord, and they are following him as a disciple. That's what a disciple is, a follower of Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ. And this is a leadership moment for Jesus uh, to consider what is next. Like like, where does Jesus go from here with his movement? Because we we've, we've looked for the last several chapters, and you know the the sick are being healed, li- new life is coming into uh, is it, people are experiencing new life. Um, Jesus is on the move. There's all kinds of renewal and restoration happening, and it's picking up steam. And if I were Jesus in this moment. Uh, and, and it was my job to see this precious little sapling of a movement mature, Okay, I might think, well, it's time to build a fence around it to protect it. Okay? Maybe what we should do is build a greenhouse, and we should plant this little sapling in a greenhouse, um, because that would keep it safe. Um, maybe it would be time to brand the movement. I mean, let's get a incredible logo for this thing, okay? Um, Maybe it might be time to buy a building and to sort of um, have a place for people in this movement to come and to grow and to be safe. Uh, Maybe it would be time um, to spend our resources and our energy on preservation or protection so that this precious little sapling, this, this precious little sapling of a movement doesn't wither out. I mean, we, we need to be really wise about this. We need to be really careful with this. That, this is how I would think about it. This would be my approach. And if it were April 2021, oh, it is April 2021, and we've been through this last year, I think this would be even more my disposition. I, I mean, maybe some of you feel that. Maybe some of you have experienced that because it's been a brutal year. We talk about that. We know that. We feel that with everything that's transpired. and And... I don't know about you, but so often over the last year, I've fought this inward turning in my soul. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that it's, so, it's been so easy to focus on me, to focus on my needs, to focus on what's good in my life, to focus and preserve what I don't want to lose. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I think about myself these days More than I think about others, probably than any other time in my life, that temptation is real in my own story, in my own life. I mean, from playing board games with friends to what we're eating for dinner to what the plan is for the weekend. I mean, I am thinking more than ever about me, preservation, safety, greenhouse, fence. Let's set this thing up because the world has been brutal. Anybody with me here on this? I see your nods. I see your nods online, too. (laughs) And I have found, I found myself in this posture often, even in this of defensiveness or cynicism, waiting for the next unfortunate news to break. And for some of us, this is a real thing. I mean, we've, we've lost people to the pandemic, to the virus. People have died in our lives. We've lost jobs. We've had family members whose marriages and, and, and relationships have been wrecked over the last year. And so, There's an understanding of turning inward in this moment. But this passage, Jesus doesn't say for his precious little sapling, let's just protect this thing and let's just put a fence around it and put it in a greenhouse. He does something curious with this sapling. I mean, unexpected. What does he do? He plants this sapling as it were. He plants this fragile little movement directly in the soil of a precarious world, a dangerous world. And what we're going to be reminded of through this passage and, and, and over the next two weeks is that we, as a sapling movement of Jesus followers, were sent. This is not a static thing that you've been invited into in Christ. And maybe if you're here and a friend's brought you along and you're hearing of Jesus' message, you're hearing of his gospel for the first time, this is an incredible moment for you to get a window into maybe some of the unhelpful narratives you've heard and learned about what a Christian is in the world. Because Jesus turns everything on its head here. And I'm praying that he would turn everything for us on our heads over the next couple of weeks. In this passage here, there's just four four movements in it, four observations. There's our sentness. Okay, it's, we're we use language like that this morning. We are sent. Our sentness first. Secondly, the where of our sentness. Where are we sent to? Thirdly, the how of our sentness. How are we sent? And then the why of our sentness. Why are we sent? So first, let's look at our sentness. You can track along with me here, write notes down, uh, write some notes in in your scripture as we go. So verse one, Jesus we find first, after this the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them on ahead of him. He sent them. Now, this is uh, in Greek, um, the word, apostello, which is in Latin, the word we get missio or mission. And so this is a very, just to be so clear here in the passage, Jesus saying, you're going on a mission. This isn't just like, oh, can you go pick up some milk at the grocery store this evening? This is like, not that that's not a mission, but this is a different kind of mission that Jesus is sending us on. And in verse 1 and 2, what we find is there is this normalizing of what Jesus is doing with his disciples, that they would hear his voice. Okay, this is John 10, Jesus in another context, speaking of listening and hearing the good shepherd's voice, that his disciples would hear his voice, hear the good shepherd's voice, and that they would go. And we find out where they're going. He sent them on ahead of him, two by two. And where where are they going? Into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So this isn't just an arbitrary, generic kind of sending. Jesus has a vision for the landscape. He has a vision for the world. And he says, that town there, that town there, that place there, that home there, that person there. That's where I'm about to go. And I am sending you to go because I'm going to show up there. Now, you go ahead of me. You're going to be my voice. You're going to be my hands. Okay, David's going to speak to this in much more depth next week. But we're learning what it means to hear the voice of Jesus through his spirit and go to be sent exactly where he's sending us, exactly where he is going to be going. Now, important note here. If you remember back in Luke chapter 9, Jesus calls his 12 apostles, Okay. If we just took that passage and not this one, we might think that this is just for kind of the professional clergy, as it were. But actually, Jesus completely deconstructs that notion here when he says, 72, actually, this is a lay movement. This is a movement of people. It's non-discriminatory. If you are in Christ if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, if you have tasted the sweetness of his love and his glory, what we've been singing about this morning, you are sent. I am sent. We are sent. And that's our desire as a church for all of us, for each of you, that in the days ahead we would hear his voice and we would know where he is going and we would be obedient to that. We wouldn't hesitate And by the way, that might be to the grocery store (laughs) in a moment. That might be to your place of work. That might be to one of the poorest neighborhoods in our city. That might be to Cuba. I don't know where Jesus will call you, but we want to be a people who are hearing his voice, trusting that he has sent us into the world. And this leads us to our second observation. Where, the where of our sentness, where does Jesus send us? Where does he send us? Verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 72. Now, this is a huge signal. Okay? This is Jesus is being so intentional to call out. And, and there's some discrepancy in, in, in older texts. Is it 70? Is it 72? Okay. Regardless of which one it is, we know what Jesus is getting at here. And here's what 72 would have signaled to Uh, first century listener, first century learner. This would be a direct reference to Genesis chapter 10. Does anybody remember what happened uh, in Genesis chapter 10 after the flood? Okay, Noah and his descendants come out, and there is a a string of, uh, of text that just goes on and on, and it names 72 nations, 72 people people groups in a way that came out of the ark that were saved through the flood, through the ark. And this group of people are going to populate the world, the nations. Okay, What is Jesus saying here? Where we are sent is the world. Where we are sent is the nations. Where we are sent are people in our world, in your life, in my life, who do not know Christ. There are unreached people groups across the planet. I'm so thankful that our church is involved Adam leads our missions team that is reaching unreached people groups across our planet. And I'm so thankful that we as a body are here in our city locally because there's friends and neighbors in our lives who have not tasted or heard the sweetness of the gospel. Maybe they've heard a version of it, but they haven't experienced and come in contact with a genuine believer who loves Jesus, is filled with his spirit, is filled with his grace and his love. And this is a way of Jesus saying, listen, I have had a mission from the beginning. If you go back to the story in Genesis 1, God created in goodness, truth, and beauty. He created us in his image. And there was a tremendous crash, a falling out, a rebellion in the garden. We talk about this often. We want to root this all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, our first parents rebelled. Sin came into the world. It's what Ephesians 2 says, renders us spiritually dead. And so humanity, the world, the nations are without God, without Christ. In Genesis chapter 10, we see the nations In Genesis chapter 12, just a couple chapters later, God makes a covenant with Abram. And do you remember what he says? He says, I'm going to bless you. He calls a people to himself. I'm going to bless you. Why? For the sake of the nations. I'm going to bless you that you would be a blessing to the nations. All through the Old Testament, the nation of Israel struggles back and forth, idolatry, rebelling against God. But then in the New Testament this is you know what sparks this is God comes in flesh this is what we celebrate as Christmas the at Christmas time the incarnation Jesus comes to live a perfect life to die a perfect death to raise from the dead to ascend into heaven and a new life a new creation is available to the nations is what's happening there and then at Pentecost if you remember And we're going to be studying this as we go into the book of Acts next year. It's a total reversal of Genesis 10 and Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Instead of the nations being scattered away from God, the nations are there at Pentecost and then believers are sent out mirroring what's happening here in Luke chapter 10. The book of Acts and all the epistles of the New Testament are the story of God through the power of his spirit pushing out, sending out, disclosing his gospel to the world. God loves the world he created. He loves the world he created. He loves the people of our world. We know from his word that he desires, his heart is that they would come to know him. And the world he created, like all of us without Jesus Christ, is desperately broken, dead in sin, and heading towards an eternity without God. That is what the scripture, that's a story the scripture tells us. And so when Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, that he has appointed 72 to go out into the world, he's talking about the nations, he's talking about the lost, he's talking about the broken. I love how Rigenbach says it. The 70 disciples are to be regarded as a net of love which the Lord threw out in Israel. We are sent to the nations. That's where we are sent to. And it's here that we discover God's deep, passionate love for people, for the nations, and the world. You see, this, this little sapling, whatever it might grow into, it might grow into a, a large oak tree. A large tree that produces shade. It doesn't grow for its own sake. The shade that the Lord grows through his sapling is for the sake of the world. A world that's overheated. To relieve a world has a word that's on fire. And we as a church, and I just, just hear me here. This is so important to understand. We as a church do not exist for ourselves as an organization. Let me just say that again. We as a church do not exist for ourselves as an organization. We exist as a people to glorify God, to put his name on display for the world, to make known, to announce the gospel of Jesus to the places and people of our city and our world who are parched, overheated, and needing the soothing shade of grace to comfort them. That is why we come together. That's why we're brought together. He sends us into the world for his glory but this begs a question okay this leads to our third observation it's a question how does he send us we're sent there's a sentence to our our life as a community to our life as a church where he sends us is to the nations but how does he send us and this is where we love to think about this beautiful little sapling growing up and being planted in a precarious world but this is where it gets real Okay. Are, are you ready for it to get real here? Jesus goes on. He says, I'm going to send you together. I'm going to send you with great risk, into great risk. I'm going to send you in dependency, and I'm going to send you in prayer. That's how the how of our sentence. Verse 1, we're sent together Okay, in teams, two by two. We are not an individualistic movement. We are not just, we are individuals, we're not going to deny that, but we are individuals who are together in community, in friendship, to discern where Jesus is calling us, and we follow him, and we go to where he's going to go. We go in teams, we go in twos, we go in threes, we go in fours, we go as couples, we go as families, we go as friends, we link arms. We don't go alone. This is a really important point for Jesus here at the beginning. Secondly, we're sent to risk it all. This is Jesus' language here uh, in verse 3. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. What happens to a lamb when it goes into into the midst of wolves? It's dangerous. It might get attacked. It will get attacked. It's not safe. That lamb going out is not safe. And yet Jesus says, this is where you're to go. In fact, we know he sends some of where he sends these disciples is to uh, the Samaritan villages. And and we know in the political and sociological landscape of that day, Samaria was not necessarily a safe place. We're going to be reading about the Good Samaritan in a couple of weeks here, studying that. So we're sent together We're sent to risk it all. And we're sent in dependency. Verse 4, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. What is Jesus' point here? He's like, as you go, as you're sent, I am going to provide everything you could ever need. I'm going to provide the people, the resource, the words, the ideas, Whatever it is that you're going to need for the mission that I'm calling you to, I will provide everything you need. I remember last week, uh, Dave and myself and Colin, we had the chance to come alongside of a family. Their beds were broken. Um, and, you know, we came with one drill. But guess what ha- happened uh, to happen? The young, one of the young men who lived in this home, he had a drill and it was great to be able to use both of those drills. It's like wherever we went, there were these little pieces that allowed us to complete the project. And this little mission that Jesus gave us on this one day, he will provide everything you need. He will provide everything I need. And in fact, this is the purpose, is that we go utterly dependent. This is completely different than Western American individualistic mindset. I want to prepare well. I want to get everything I need. I want to have everything. Every, every box checked, I want to be prepared well. I want to have everything in my bag ready to go for whatever I might face. Jesus says, don't do it that way. <laughs> you go, just go. I'm going to provide everything that you need. Go utterly dependent on me. This is why later, and we're going to see this next week, he says, receive whatever's offered to you as you go. Because when Jesus sends you, sends us on mission." He always provides. And then lastly, how are we to go? We're to go in prayer. The last part of our how of our sentness. We're to go in prayer. Verse two, he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Now this is really interesting because we might think that when he sends us into his mission, we should pray for provision for all the resources and all the things we'll need. But actually what he says is pray for other people to come alongside of you or to come alongside of other people that the vision and the mission that he has might be furthered in the world. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, workers, ministers. And again, this is Jesus turning the paradigm on its head, this is a sending place, not a staying place. This is a place where we are filled with the Holy Spirit to go to the places we find ourselves in, the places where Jesus is going, and we are to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Now, the irony in all of this is that this little sapling, okay, if I plant this sapling in a tree or in a, a, um, uh, you know, in a fence or in a greenhouse, okay? And I let it grow to be an adolescent. And then I take it out of the greenhouse and say, wow, it's really been protected these last 14 or 15 years of its life. And now it's time to be brought out into the world. Do you know what happens to that tree? It gets knocked right over it wasn't raised in the environment. It wasn't raised in the wind. It wasn't raised in the precarious environment. It wasn't raised in the elements that actually, as it grows, shapes it and strengthens it. Okay? So many churches, okay, we say, come to Christ, sit in that chair. You get filled up for the next 25, 30, 40 years. And then, then you'll be ready to go. And that is not the model of Jesus. He says, when you come into the new life in Christ, I'm going to send you almost immediately. Now, it doesn't mean you don't come back in and check in. It doesn't mean you don't get good care. It doesn't mean you don't get good nurturing. It doesn't mean you don't get good watering. It's that we are planted in the world, not separate from the world. And the really amazing thing is that all of you more than me are planted directly into the world (laughs) because you're going to find yourself on Monday morning in a place, some kind of vocational space, at a park with other moms, on a Zoom call with many people who would never consider themselves Christians. Jesus has actually planted you in the world. The question is, will you be obedient to see yourself and understand yourself as a sent one. But if we raise this sapling in the field, it will grow into a strong, bold, beautiful arbor. Jesus has called us as a body from the beginning to be a people who are raised in the wind. And we say, you know, I don't know if I'm ready, Joey. I don't know if I'm prepared for that. I might need a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 to the church in Corinth, he says, you're still drinking milk. It's time to grow up. And maturity is not just how much of the Bible you know. That's a part of it. But it's what does the quality of your life look like as lived to God's glory in the world. Our sentness is actually directly correlated to our maturity in Christ. Because it's there where we meet Christ in our own brokenness. It's there when the cr- where the cross becomes real in our healing and in salvation. It's there where we have to learn to depend and trust in our Heavenly Father until you step out into the field. There's such a temptation and there's such a tendency for our muscles, our spiritual strength, our formation to be completely frail and underdeveloped. And as a church, like, this is it, you guys. Like, it's simple. We're not going to make it more complex than this. We are a movement of people being transformed by the gospel to be sent to seek the flourishing, in biblical terms, in Jesus' language, the shalom or the peace of our city and our world. And our vision as a team, okay, our elder team, our staff equippers, Our vision is to equip you to be obedient to the vision that Jesus has called you into the world. That's Ephesians chapter 4. June was talking about Ephesians 1. This is Ephesians chapter 4. And as a a word of encouragement, like I want to encourage you and not say like, hey, none of this is happening. It's actually happening. Like, the Lord, through the power of His Spirit, is actually doing this through our body. I could tell you a number of stories. Here's just a few. We have one woman who owns a business in our church. You know what? She's constantly thinking. She's constantly having this conversation. How can my business, how can the work that I put my hand to Monday through Friday be for God's glory? And she's including her employees in the work of Jesus in our city. She's inviting her employees into new life and new relationship with Jesus. There's a woman in our church named Kristen recently. She just has this heart and love for the Hispanic community, and she's thinking, she's praying. How can we come alongside of the families, the Hispanic families in our city? There's a woman named Debbie Bell. Many of you know Debbie in our church. She lost her son a couple of years ago, tragically, out of the comfort that she's received, out of the encouragement. She didn't stay in the sanctuary. She says, no, we got to break out of here. There are other people who are experiencing grief in the world. And so she's brought together a group of people and she's actually leading them and guiding them uh, through a biblical vision of of grief. How do we grieve well? I think about Andy um, and, and Becky Lomax and Bobby and Judy Masters who are planters of ours out on the eastern shore that we're connected with. And they say, we have a vision for Kent Island Jesus has sent us there to see. The island is actually literally sinking. I don't know if you knew this or not. It's actually physically sinking. And they have a vision to see the island uh, rise spiritually. I think about the lions who are missionaries that we're supporting in the Middle East. I think about a guy who I went on a walk with just two days ago. Maybe it was yesterday. We're going on a walk. He just says, Jesus is just spurring my heart. I want to be part of his work in the city. Where can I go? What can I do? I think about a text I got from a guy in our church who's being discipled in one of our community groups. And he, just, he texts, he's just like, Jesus is just calling me to something. I don't know what it is, but he's calling me to something. I think about a young woman in our church who found herself in the neighborhood she lives in. She found, a, I think it was a single mom who has a number of kids who are home all day long, really without supervision, on Zoom all day long. And she takes time out of her week to go spend time with those children to be there. So many beautiful pictures, our community groups coming together to serve the lost and the least and to live on mission together. In the weeks and months to come, we want to double down on this. We want to equip you further. We're we're praying, we're plotting, we're going to be rolling some things out over the weeks and months to come to further equip you as a body, to further equip us as a church to be the kind of people who are raised in the field through the power of the Spirit. And so I just want to close here uh, as we come to the table. I want to invite June uh, back up here. And I just want to ask the question for you this morning. You might want to take out something to write on, maybe one of the cards that's in front of you. Take mental note. We just want to create some space here to discern and to ask the Lord, to get clarity on where is he calling you to in this next season. You may not know the answer to that question. Probably a lot of us in here don't know the answer to that question. You might think this. You might think that. We want to we take our marching orders, as it were, from God himself, from Jesus. And we believe his spirit speaks to us. So just want to create a little bit of space here in the quiet, okay, um, for that. So let me pray, and then we're going to take a little space here.